0: I think managerial systems that relied upon looking over shoulders, you know, kind of bumping into people and, oh yeah, I forgot, I need to talk to you about the Jones account, like that kind of stuff doesn't work anymore. So there's a more formal structure that's needed.
1: Welcome to the Joy-Powered Workspace podcast, where we help HR and business leaders embrace joy in the workplace. I'm Jody Curtis, owner of Purple Inc. and powered by Purple Inc. And with me is my dear friend and co-host, Susan White, owner of Susan Tenderwhite Consulting, an HR consulting practice. Our topic today is strengthening remote teamwork.
2: And I really do believe given where we are in the world today, after a couple of years of combating the pandemic, A lot of organizations have taken remote work and made it really a constant in in their future. And so they're going to be having teams working remotely for a very long time and maybe forever. We need to figure out how to do it better.
1: Totally agree. So we have a, a guest today to help us explore this topic even further. Ed Stevens is the founder and CEO of Appreciate a social presence platform that promotes authentic connections to accelerate business, invigorate virtual experiences, and foster culture. He is deeply committed to helping others build healthier relationships and transform meetings into memorable moments with the power of technology. In his free time, Ed loves going to the Dallas Stars hockey games.
2: Ed, we are so glad that you're here. Can you share with us what is the biggest pain point you see for companies that have switched to remote or hybrid working arrangements?
0: Well, I think that the biggest pain point is getting work done. How do you know what the procedures and processes are for things? Because you just can't look over your shoulder and say, hey, how do we who approves a new hire again, or, you know, these kinds of things are are not done. So I think managerial systems that relied upon looking over shoulders, you know, kind of bumping into people and, oh yeah, I forgot. I need to talk to you about the Jones account. Like that kind of stuff doesn't work anymore. So there's a more formal structure that's needed. And I think that that's probably the, the number one thing that how you manage remote teams is just different than how you manage an in-person team.
1: Right. I agree. And what is social presence? And how does that help people build healthy relationships when they can't be together in person?
0: So social presence is our platform that we gosh, I mean we're selling a lot of it right now and what it does is it it helps people to build authentic connections that accelerate business. And connections are hard to build remotely because human engagement requires me to be present as myself, but also I need to have the agency to want to be in a conversation. So when I'm in a let's just take a, a cocktail party, classic, you know, example of socializing and building relationships. You know what happens there? You know people are uh, they walk in. They, they scan the room and they do a calculation of like, who do I want to go talk to and why? Oh, there's my, my brother or, oh, there's that you know person I'm interested in dating. And so they, they then kind of will move over there and they will show that person that it's important for them to talk to them and that person can see them coming. And so that agency is driven by the movement itself. And one of the things that our video platforms in the past haven't had is they haven't had the ability for users to move. So like in a Zoom, if there's like two people, that's okay. It's just a one-on-one. But if you've got like 30 people in a Zoom call or 50 or 100 or 500 in an all-hands meeting, now you're talking about how do I network inside of the business? How do I go find those individuals who I want to thank them for helping me? I want to... Butter them up for a promotion. I want to ask them what's going on with the finances of the company. I want to try to get some information. Well, how do I do that in a fifty-person Zoom call? I can't. I might be able to DM them, but that's not natural. So, in appreciate with social presence, you enter a room and you actually move around, and you can be in a room of a hundred or two hundred people, and that gives you the presence, the real-life atmosphere, and that helps people to express themselves with that movement and agency and that creates the engagement itself.
2: Can you move in the middle of a meeting like if you want to talk to somebody or is it only if it's like a networking time? How does that work? How do you leave the room you're in and go visit with
0: others? So it depends on the on the host and how they want to run the meeting. So again, like if I have a all hands meeting, I may set up an auditorium and tell people to sit down and watch me present. Or I may have a company event where everybody's on their feet and we have an ice cream social. So there could be an all-company meeting that is meant to be more networking-oriented or is meant to be more content-oriented. So in the virtual world, the tool has to be able to do both. And so the host can you know, stop people from moving during a presentation. They can push it to a full-screen mode. They can alternatively allow individual conversations to continue. So you can whisper in someone's ear while I'm presenting. So all of those combinations of what you would do are available in the tool and the host has all the controls to be able to make that reality.
2: Wow. I love that. So how many employees does Preciate have now?
0: We have 18 employees.
2: Oh, that's great. And yeah, huge. <laughs> I bet from, from, from starting it, I think that's amazing. What is your secret to attracting and retaining great
0: people? Ah, it's a, such a good question. It's a passion of mine. You know, my last company was in San Luis Obispo, California. And that's a small town, the Central Coast. And um, the labor market was pretty small. And so we worked really hard at developing talent. So I think that there's two sides of, you know, attracting and retaining people is about. Finding out what they're really, really good at, which you which you can do during and usually can do during the interview process, but sometimes you really learn that only after they're at the company. So you have to be willing to, to say, well, gosh, I thought this person was really organized, but actually they're really creative. And I totally got that wrong. And so I'm going to try to pivot them into a more creative aspect of this department and see what they say. You know, experience doesn't matter that much to me. You know, you do have to have experience at least like anchors of experience, you know, different parts of the company so that there's somebody who knows kind of how things should get done. But um, young people are capable of so much more than what they are typically given credit for. And, you know, you you, you just watch the Olympics and there's like 15 or 18 year olds and, you know, and and I was in the Navy and, you know, the average age on an aircraft carrier of 6,000 people is under 20 years old. And you just think like, you just think like, oh my gosh, they're driving this huge ship is, is, is (laughs) full of people who can't even buy a drink. And so, you know, really you need some process and procedures to help, you know, them understand and learn. And then you really, really have to spend the time to explain why you're doing what you're doing. That's probably my biggest seek I do like to talk. That's why I'm on podcast, but but. but, um, you know, people want to know why is that decision being made? And if, especially if it's unpopular or maybe questionable, like, why are we not giving this client what they want? Or why are we choosing this product to build over that? Or, you know, why are we choosing to hire this person instead of that person? And if you just kind of say like, oh, it's, that's just, you know, my way or the highway, you're going to lose a lot of people because um, you got to teach, you know? And so I think that's probably, I, I really like teaching. I really like explaining. And that helps people to develop and grow. It's probably been my biggest secret. Not, not, not a secret anymore.
2: <laughs> yeah, you, you <laughs> just told our entire listening oh my audience. God, take it's it back, head <laughs> it yeah, yeah, it's in the world.
1: <laughs> and Ed, what kind of practices do you use to optimize yourself for top performance?
0: I like to get a full night of sleep. So unlike people who say they can sleep on like five, six, I can, I can operate on six hours of sleep if needed for extended periods of time, but I really like my full eight. I meditate. I find meditation to be really powerful for me. And, you know, I got to stay like above the minimum physically, you know? So like, if I start to lose energy, if I'm starting to feel sluggish, then it's like, oh, I got to hit the gym you know, my, my personal energy will, will kind of be in proportion to my physical fitness. And I hate working out and I hate exercising <laughs> to be
1: honest, but you know, it's good.
0: Well, I like being, I like having energy and I like winning. I like getting good results. And so if, if I have to exercise to get there, it's like brushing my teeth, I'll do it.
1: Yeah. Well, Susan and I are both big fans of sleep as well. Amen. (laughs) I I think actually, as I get older, I've become almost obsessed with trying to get eight hours of sleep. Or if I know um, I'm only going to get seven, then I really rethink, like, what am I doing? How will I, how will I be high energy if I only have seven hours of sleep? So
0: yeah. And don't underestimate the power of a good nap. Yeah. I'd mm. say if there's anything that's really been amazing about working from home during the pandemic, it's that I would just be able to slip over and take a 20. I, I'm a power napper, so I can take a 10 minute nap and just be like, boom, ready to go. So I, I also would highly recommend the power nap. There's been a lot of really good people in history who have napped like Winston Churchill and Albert Einstein and others. So I, I model myself after them. Yeah, terrific.
2: I love it. So I know that Appreciate is a work-from-anywhere company. What kinds of remote management techniques have you found particularly useful for leading your teams and providing communication and keeping people feeling really engaged to get the results you need?
0: Focusing on the results side rather than the social side, I would say um, having a process-oriented like task tracker. We use JIRA workflows pretty actively. Just as a specific example, Uh, we've also used Asana in the past. Those are tools where you can kind of like set up a project and here's all the steps and then assign the task and then watch the task get done and see who's working on it. And that's been a practice in engineering, software engineering for a long time. And um, unfortunately, I think software companies have a, a slight, and one of the reasons why you see so many software companies going remote is because they already have a lot of these tools in place for software building. So we just run, you know, like, for example, our marketing team has a workflow, a form you fill out if you need a marketing request. Like, oh, I need a piece of collateral for this customer, or I need this logo. You, you, You don't email the person, you put it in the workflow, and then they receive it they assign the task to one of the marketing people when it's done it says it's done and you know in that way you can kind of track how work gets done it's painful especially on the creative type i do i am not a process driven person but you have to then i would say to back that kind of thing up you have to have process oriented people in the company some of the like darren murph who's who's like probably the you know the, the most famous remote work at GitLab, the most famous remote work expert right now, he would say that, you know, every company should have somebody whose full-time job it is, is to coordinate remote work and processes. 18 people, we can't really have that. But, you know, I think when we get to a hundred people, we will we will have somebody whose full-time job it is, is just to manage those things and make sure they're in place and keep it going. So it's, you just, you just have to be more, a little more structured, which is honestly challenging, you know, when you're in a startup or if you want to innovate fast or, or, you know, if you have a creative business, it's, it's, it's hard to balance that like need for structure with the need for creativity. I think that's the hardest part of, of the remote work side of it.
1: Yeah. That structure is difficult for me too, because I kind of like to go with the flow and do my own thing, but I am using a project tool right now for a nonprofit group that I work with. And it really is powerful (laughs) to be able to look at all the tasks out there. And I think you said it to sort of see the magic of the tasks being completed and how it all comes together. And everyone can see the status of other people along the way, which is good as
0: well. Yeah. Well, you know, whatever it takes, wherever you find the motivation to to turn into that you know more process oriented person you got to try to find it it's you know you may be a creative type like me and you know that's just always going to be a challenge and you just have to realize that those kinds of activities are going to take more of your energy and you know anything that you're not really natural at or really good at is just going to take more energy that's you know things you're natural at practically give you energy right so like for me creative work gives me energy whereas like the process work drains my energy and that gets back to a full night of sleep you need to have you need to have all your energy to do all the things you have to do in life that drain it
1: mhm so speaking of draining your energy Susan and I like to talk to people about finding joy in their work and in the workspace what do you think some people are doing, whether it be people in your own office or clients or just research you read that people are doing with regards to remote work that might literally just suck the joy out of their
0: work? Well, I think trying to have complicated conversations by email is the first thing that comes to my mind.
2: Yeah, it's mm, a good
0: one. There's probably nothing more draining than trying to like craft the perfect tone for replying to someone. And like, anytime I find myself taking a long time to draft an email, I try to just stop myself and say, no, all them. (laughs)
2: Yes. (laughs) Save yourself. Yeah, save yourself,
0: save your time. That's terrible. Definitely. I I think that, you know, distractions are the biggest kind of problem because no one's really watching you. You're not in the office. You don't have that social pressure to kind of like not check, you know, your phone. Like if you're at at the office and you're kind of just like checking your Facebook, you're probably going to be at least aware that other people are watching you do that, but at home, no one's watching you do that. So I think for me, at least as a pretty distractible person, meditation has been like the, the opposite of that. So if you find yourself being distracted, which I do think drains energy to your question. You know, like when you find yourself like after a day, like, God, I just didn't get anything. You know, it's a low productivity day that really makes you feel bad about yourself. And then you can kind of identify like, man, I was just bouncing around. Not, And I'm not talking about meditation, like to try to reduce anxiety or to try to, to try to isolate yourself from From the world, that's kind of like the calm and headspace and the anti-anxiety. That is a component of meditation, but I I don't really find that to be the solution. I think the more uh, mindfulness sort of side of it, where you are really training your brain to pay attention to what you're paying attention to. And typically that meditation will be something like close your eyes and like, just listen to yourself breathing and just pay attention to your breath. It's usually the entry point for that. And so you could learn how to pay attention to your breath and not to other things that are happening. And then you can learn to pay attention to what you're paying attention to. I don't know that's a little bit out there, but you know, that, that actually, practically speaking, it makes a big difference.
1: Yeah. I need to try that more often.
0: <laughs> I think the key is to is to understand the difference between that kind of like anti anxiety type of meditation, where it's like, oh, you're very calm, it's peaceful. This is like you know, It's really more just about I like more of a Sam Harris kind of kind of guy than I am like a Headspace or a calm. So, um, Sam Harris is more of the training your brain to pay attention to what you're paying attention to. Um, And then you can catch yourself like, oh, I'm actually paying attention to the wrong thing right now. So I need to redirect myself. But it's, it's like, forget it. I mean, you never, I mean, maybe like yogis become a master of that, but normal person is just like, forget about it. You're always (laughs) paying attention to something. Should be. Do you think that's true? I do think that's true.
1: I think it's very true.
2: Yes. Ed, thank you so much for coming today and talking to us. How can our listeners reach you?
0: Well you can catch me at Twitter. It's EA Stevens with a V. EA Stevens um, is my Twitter handle and that's probably the best place you can DM me there. And then uh, also you know appreciate.com is where we you know have our stuff and you can always find me through that vehicle as well. So um, yeah, it's actually been fun to talk to you. Thank you for those uh, thoughtful questions and wish you the best. Well thank, thank you. you. Same to you.
1: And we will put your contact information in our show notes as well so
2: people can find you. So cool. Jody. we have a listener question today. How do you have a fairness discussion with your employees when you have a certain percentage that must work in the office full-time because of the nature of their jobs and others who can work remotely? This difference in treatment can create fairness questions and bring up issues.
1: Yeah, well, you know, Susan, I've told my kids for years that life is not fair.
2: (laughs) mother said that too. Yeah. (laughs) It's a tough pill to swallow. I get it. It is. It is. And,
1: and I think it's especially hard with this particular question, right? People who work on the front lines, at a bank or at a hospital or bagging groceries or whatever the role might be, any level of the organization It is a tough one and it's just not going to work for everyone. You know, I have some of our clients have asked everyone to work in the office because they didn't think it was fair that some could and some couldn't. Some of our clients have a lot of people who are working every day in the office and still allow other people to work remotely. So I see all different kinds of scenarios. One thing, though, I think I've read so many articles on this that most people, not everyone, but most people really, it's not that they really want remote work. It's that they want the opportunity to have flexible hours and that that really exceeds the demand for remote work even though they might ask for remote work because that might give them more flexibility but so i think one of the biggest things that organizations can do if at all possible is to give people more flexibility even if they do need to be in the office in the plant so when that works thinking about you know could people have flexible hours could people work four days a week could Some people start at 6 a.m. and some people start at 9 a.m. and work later or whatever might make sense to still gain coverage live. Any other thoughts from you, Susan?
2: I totally agree with your suggestion. I think that's probably the primary route I would go. But a couple of other ideas to think about, perhaps looking at your total reward system and as an organization, where are you going to invest in your bennies and your perks, Think about for your on-site employees, those that have to be there facing the customer, maybe you have on-site rewards that people who are hybrid or that are not 100% in the office aren't eligible for. Maybe you have like packaged dinners that you have a caterer that packages up dinners for people that they get to pick up on their way out the door. Maybe you have some type of on-site pay premium for people that, that they have no other choice. They have to be there think about it, you've got a total rewards budget and you do want to make sure that you've got some type of equity or fairness to compensate those that don't have the same kind of choice that remote workers do.
1: I love it. I also think it's important that we remember that not everyone sees working remotely as a benefit. You know, there's lots of different desires on that. I actually interviewed a lady just last week who was interviewing because she had been working remotely for two years, was not allowed to return to the office, and she missed the people. She loved her job, but she just wanted to be around more people. So, you know, you might ask some people that too, not just assume That working remotely is the best option for people. Makes sense. Yeah. Thanks for the question. That question came from one of our listeners who was applying for SHRM credit and filled that in on her evaluation. So we're always interested in hearing your questions. In our In the News section today, in an email I received from northstarinbound.com, they said that buzzwords can be useful in the workplace, but they also wondered if employers should use them in job postings. Preply surveyed 1,500 American workers to better understand the effect that language like this can have on the application process and found that it can make a difference. So let's review some of their key takeaways. The first one was that 70% of workers say that the use of trendy language in a job posting has influenced their decision to apply for a job. Maybe it encouraged them to apply because they liked the trendy language, and maybe it encouraged them not to apply because they were turned off by the trendy language.
2: So what they found actually was that 20% of workers decided not to apply for a job due to business-related buzzwords. Yeah, so you really do want to understand that before you put in the trendy language, Right.
1: Right. And some of those terms they found most likely to be red flags for job seekers included rock star, wears many
2: hats, thick skin. Oh, dear. You say thick skin. All I think of is they're going to be saying mean things.
1: Right. Me too. Work hard, play hard,
2: or schedule TBD. (laughs) Oh, dear. That TBD could be whatever we need on a given day, right? Yes.
1: I don't know that i put any of those in a job posting, but I could tell you, I've said every single one of those buzzwords.
2: I bet, I bet. The terms least likely to be red flags, proactive, empower, leverage, perks and benefits, and proven track record. So those might be words that you consider keeping in your job postings.
1: Right. I like it. So thank you for joining us today, and tune in next time. Make it a joy powered day.
2: If you would like Sherm recertification credit for listening to this podcast, please visit getjoypowered.com/sherm. You'll find an evaluation of the podcast, and once you complete the evaluation, you will see the Sherm recertification credit code and a link to a proof of participation certificate. Again, that's getjoypowered.com/sherm. Sherm, Thank you for listening, and thanks for your dedication to the HR profession. Thank you for listening. If you liked the show, please tell your friends about it and let us know what you think by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts.
1: You can learn more about Joy Powered at getjoypowered.com. Check out the Joy Powered shop where you can order our books, journals, and other items that power our joy at getjoypowered.com shop. We're at Joy Powered on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can email us at joypowered at gmail.com.
2: We hope you tune in next time. Make it a Joy Powered Day.